0: Welcome to the First Round Flick Podcast. I'm Sandra Dugan.
1: And I'm Eric Dugan.
0: And we are two ordinary moviegoers just like you.
1: We sit down in our living room and draft our top five favorites in a given category. And this week, we're back to talk about movie scores. That's right. And we have a special guest.
0: Mr. Clark Reader.
1: He is the cultural columnist for Colorado Community Media Newspaper and the brother of our other friend of the pod and recent guest, Kyle Reader. Welcome to the pod. Hi, Clark. Hi,
2: guys. Thanks for having me on.
0: You're uh, so welcome. We are so excited. You are one of our favorite people to talk about movies with, and we're excited to have you on for this special episode about movie scores.
1: We think that you are definitely the foremost expert on music. You're probably going to blow me out of the water a little bit here. But uh, first, let's just talk about, so we are covering movie scores today, not movie soundtracks. So what's the right. difference?
2: The movie scores tend to be orchestral. They're not always um, that case. There have been a lot of experimentation, but it's music that was created specifically for the film. Whereas soundtracks, or you can almost think of soundtracks as almost like mixtapes that the director makes. And so sometimes they will be original songs from pop artists and stuff. But a lot of the time they're using just the the spectrum of pop music to bring you into the world of the movie. But this is music that's been specifically created for the film.
0: When I think of iconic soundtracks, I think of compilations of just really great songs. I think of the guardians of the galaxy soundtrack that just had all of those eighties classics it was just a great soundtrack. And then when I think of score, I think of things like Star Wars and other sagas that have very distinctive sounds that aren't necessarily songs that we are familiar with, but we can definitely identify those sounds.
1: Yeah. When you have that distinctive theme for a franchise or a movie, John Williams, anything.
2: There's but nothing like
1: it. I'm sure we'll get to it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. John Williams, pretty much. That I would assume he would be the name most people think of when you think a movie scores he just the list of themes that he's written is just astronomical
1: so there are a number of giants in the field and because of people like john williams for our draft for the ground rules we're going to lay down here usually we only allow to draft one movie per franchise that's going to hold here but also because some composers are so prolific we're also going to limit to one film per composer keep it a little interesting
0: And that's pretty much it as far as parameters go. The only other parameter would be that the score has to come from a full-length feature film. Yes. Okay. Well, are we ready to roll the dice?
1: Let's do it. We'll roll for Clark first.
0: Okay. I'm here to verify that Clark got a one, unfortunately. I'm
1: really sorry. (laughs) And for me.
2: Oh, man. Eric got a
0: four. Okay, here we go. Eric gets to draft first.
1: Well, for my first pick, like we've mentioned before, there are a few giants in the field. And this is a really tough decision for me because for my first composer, there are a number of movies that I could legitimately draft because he is just so good, so iconic that they're all powerful. My first pick is going to be Hans Zimmer for Interstellar
2: what are you doing?
1: Docking. Endurance rotation is 67, 68 RPM. Okay, get ready
2: to match our spin with the retro thrusters. It's not possible. No. It's necessary.
1: Endurance is hitting stratosphere. You could make the case uh, for a number of his movies: Inception with the iconic "Wah," Lion King as Lion
0: one. King. I cannot believe you think that. Interstellar's soundtrack is better than the Lion. King
1: Well, okay, soundtrack. well, just like all or not
0: soundtrack score,
1: right? But just like all drafts that we do, this isn't just about what is the most iconic or what is what we may experts may consider the best uh, to our. Elders out there, I will tell you in advance that like Ben Hur is not on my draft board, even though I know it's iconic. <laughs> uh, but Interstellar is a soundtrack that I have listened to so much that when Spotify's most played of the decade came up this year, a number of the tracks from that soundtrack were in the top ten because it's something that I just enjoy listening to in the background. And I'm not sure what that says about me because it is kind of a stressful score. <laughs> it's uh, it's got this ticking clock motif that he expanded upon when Dunkirk came out, but it kind of pushes the whole movie forward. And I think it does, this soundtrack, sorry, this score itself does so much to elevate the movie beyond its sometimes silly plot points into something that just really makes you feel all the feels.
2: Absolutely. And I'm sure we'll touch on this, but one of the best things about listening to scores is... It makes your life feel cinematic. You hit the right cue at the right moment, and it can make anything you're doing feel, like you said, either high, high stress or try to listening to the to sort of scores in your daily life. is it, it gives that sense of the cinematic to pretty much anything you do. He
1: is probably my favorite uh, composer, definitely contemporary composer. There's something about the way he puts things together, especially with percussion, that really is effective at driving a mood for a film, and it makes him the ideal partner for Christopher Nolan in almost all the films that he's made. Uh, If I had to take a second, it would have been Inception. But the piano that he brings into Interstellar, I, I specifically think of the scene after they have gotten off the world with um, a Matt Damon, <laughs> and they're trying to reattach, and <laughs> the <Matt> Damon. <laughs> and the uh, and the spaceship has to spin around fast enough to catch up with the uh, other like home station, and it, like the uh, the soundtrack is just like it's getting louder and louder and blaring. You don't know if they're going to make it. I just I can feel it in my bones.
2: Yeah, actually, my favorite of his Nolan soundtracks is um, The Dark Knight. I think he does some really interesting subtle stuff there and especially that like you said the ticking clock it's there at the beginning with the um the bank for robert joker does and it's it's just so such a powerful musical tool that zimmer has mastered
1: when i think of john williams i think of like the horns but then the horns are also very much there for hans i combine that with the percussion and i'll just i'll listen to anything that he makes uh just in the background
2: absolutely yeah he he's and he he toured it. I think he played Coachella either last year or he's going to be playing it this year. He, he's turned this his career into this really interesting and, and dynamic um, approach to music. and I think it's it's really inspiring.
1: I read along the way somewhere a while ago that his style is has such an influence across Hollywood. That a lot of movies, when they are first cut together, they kind of use a placeholder score to kind of give the idea before the score is actually finished, and they frequently use Hans Zimmer's music. Uh, but it's, oh. <laughs> so they, you do get this kind of uh, with some movies, you get this kind of copying effect, and it's because it's it's just so good. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry if that uh, if I stole that from you, but I am sure that you will be stealing something from me with your first pick.
2: We will see. My um, first pick for the draft for best score will be Howard Shore's soundtrack for The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Now come the days of the king.
0: So it runs in the family, this love of Lord of the Rings.
2: Yes, uh, my brother got it from me. I'm one of those um, major Tolkien nerds who like reads the books once a year and does like a yearly rewatch. But um, yeah, this is obviously the third in the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, um, the last one. The album, I being sort of a music nerd, I did a little chart research for most of my picks and The album made it to the number 36 on Billboard's Top 200 Albums Pop Charts, so not as high as the first soundtrack for The Lord of the Rings, which made it to 20. The score was one of 11 Oscar winners that the film had that year, as well as Into the West by Annie Lennox, which also won for Best Original Song. It also won the Grammy Award for best score soundtrack album that year so i mean it was just a a monumental achievement especially when you consider it's the third three hour plus movie that howard shore soundtracked in a row
1: it's remarkable how much music he created and how big that soundtrack really was it's you can easily forget it now that that movie is what almost 15 years old can't believe it's been that long but it was—it
2: really makes it, me feel old.
1: <laughs> it was so beautiful and moving at the time. Um, and when I was doing my research. I saw that he, in total, composed thirteen hours of instrumentation for these movies.
2: Yeah, and I saw when I was doing my research, he created a hundred specific motifs that he sort of weaves in and out of the movies, and it's often related to a specific character or a specific culture, whether it's the elves or men or dwarves, you'd sort of be introduced and you find it woven throughout the movie. It's a the entire score that he did is is almost it's like a traditional classical, you know, four hour piece that like you would almost could have heard any time in, you know, Europe's ancient history is how old that's this how he approached the score.
1: I can hear the motifs in my head for like the Shire versus when you have Gondor. Uh, they're all so different and uh, powerful. But is there any particular reason that you chose Return of the King versus, say, Fellowship of the Ring?
2: Fellowship was my initial choice because that's where you first are introduced so many of these themes. But I feel like sort of, and it makes sense fitting with the movie, that this score for the Return of the King is sort of the culmination of the story that's been going on. So all these themes... That he's been developing for the previous two movies. So their arc starts to find its natural conclusion in these films. He gets to fully develop them and you get to sort of hear as the characters near the end of their journeys where these themes and where his musical ideas are going to be taking the audience. So it's really sort of the culmination of what he's been doing for, like you said, the nine hours of previous music before he got to this one.
0: Would you say it sounds more triumphant?
2: Parts of it, but. There's also got so many beautiful, sad parts. I I really am sort of a sucker for a good, sad song. And there's so many good, sad moments. He really uses the violin beautifully throughout. There's a scene where Faramir rides off to a certain death, And there's a scene of just Gandalf sort of staring off into space. And you hear these bells gonging. And it's just this beautiful violin line that's sort of the only sa- other sound. And it's just stunning what, what he's able to do for as grand as it is.
0: I'm crying just thinking about it. Eric cried not too long <laughs> ago. What were we watching that made you cry?
1: Oh, I don't know. I think it was a documentary.
0: What? What was it? Something <laughs> made you tear up. It was very cute. (laughs) Usually I'm not allowed to cry. (laughs) It makes me sad.
1: But yeah, also when Pippin is singing that song as Farrah goes off, uh, it's very... Exactly. It's hitting me right just thinking about it. (laughs) Okay. Well, I have to say, Clark, I (laughs) was uh, fully 100% expecting (laughs) you to draft this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Knowing me for like half your life, then yes, that is probably not a surprise (laughs) at all. (laughs) Well, very fitting. So, Eric, tell me what you have decided your second pick will be.
1: Well, now that you've taken that, uh, I have to take the other low-hanging fruit, and I think the next obvious choice has got to be John Williams, and I will specifically draft for Star Wars A New Hope. I don't think you can argue with it. It's honestly overwhelming, though, trying to choose uh, one of his scores. I choose Star Wars just because of my attachment to it and how iconic it is. The opening crawl, Darth Vader's theme, it's all so good. But you can look at E.T., Jaws, Jurassic Park, Harry Potter. He is the ultimate theme machine. And he's had a very long and illustrious cooperation with Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. And those are all great movies that Spielberg makes. So it's really take your pick.
2: Yeah, my favorite of his would be Jurassic Park. If you said the themes in that are just astounding. But one of my sort of, I guess, underrated is I really love the score he does for Spielberg's Catch Me If You Can.
1: That is a great movie in general. Another previous draftee here on First Round Flick.
0: Multiple times, <laughs> That's right. I think. Yes, it yeah. is.
2: Yeah, that's sort of like Spielberg's, like for all the people who, you know, it's like the Spielberg's film nerd people who was like, yeah, everyone's seen Jurassic Park and Schindler's List and stuff. But, you know, have you seen Catch Me If You Can? Because it's like, it's just one of his underrated that the people who love movies really love Catch Me If You Can.
1: I remember learning how to play that on the piano because it's just like so simple and, and, and beautiful. Uh, He's been nominated an absurd amount of times, um, and I'll admit, I haven't looked up how many times he has won. (laughs) Several, (laughs) several, I'm sure. Um,
0: He was nominated again just
1: just, this year. Yeah, for Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker. Not necessarily deserved, I don't think there's anything special about that, but you still have the same work that he's done over all these years. But
0: when they played that score... At the Academy Awards, I was like, he could take it. That's you right. can never count him out. He, it, it's still excellent. Gets you hyped and in the mood for some star battles.
1: Still, still defending your pick in the draft. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so why'd you pick that particular Star Wars? Um, I mean, when I was doing my research, um, pitched for the online, you know, very popular music magazine a couple a year ago or so, did their top scores of uh music film scores of all time and they picked um empire strikes back
1: uh that seems just because empire strikes back is just has that credit as the best star wars movie Uh, i'm picking a star wars A new hope just because of the novelty of it going for the first time that you heard how powerful it was and how big that was also for a new up-and-coming filmmaker it really is instrumental in what made star wars as big as it is today So, for both sentimental and larger society at large reasons, that's the way I'm picking it. But I was a young child when Phantom Menace came out, and I will admit that that and Attack of the Clones, some of those themes I really loved as well.
2: Oh,
0: yeah. And I watched those as an adult, and I can't relate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it doesn't hit you in the feels thinking about Anakin and Padme rolling around in the hills to some light orchestral music.
0: It hits me somewhere, but it's not the feels.
2: Might be the gag reflex a little. <laughs> a couple others that Williams did that you, it's easy to forget about, you mentioned, was um he did Indiana Jones and he did the first two Home Alones. That's right.
0: The Home Alone score is just as iconic. It's
2: yes it It really is you don't see many like modern christmas classics and i mean obviously you know they're several decades old but still to have like a film soundtrack take that kind of status is pretty impressive
1: no doubt that he is arguably the goat of oscar composers movie composers Maybe eventually Hans Zimmer can catch up to him, but I think he's got the clear lead right now.
2: Oh, for sure. I don't think there's anyone really in the same stadium as him at this point.
1: Okay. Well, now that we've gotten some of these heavyweights out of the way, what will be your second pick?
2: Okay. For my second pick, I have selected Trent Reznor and Anikis Ross's The Social Network. Let the hacking begin.
1: Kirkland. They keep everything open and allow indexes in their Apache configuration. So little wget magic is all that's necessary to download the entire Kirkland Facebook. It's stuff.
0: Love that movie.
2: Great pick. Yeah, it's the the soundtrack is one of those that it's so integral to the movie that it and it works just beautifully in everyday life because it's not so much some of these we about that I'm talking about are so big and grand. This is you know a relatively small, intimate movie. And the soundtrack just, it's this sort of steady hum that just keeps going throughout.
1: It's a very different kind of soundtrack, not of grand themes, but just it evokes a certain mood. And that was the first time for me that Trent Reznor was on the map as a film composer, but he's really settled in now as David Fincher's go-to guy.
0: What else has he done?
1: He also did Gone Girl and Girl with a Dragon Tattoo.
2: And he's also he's recently got into film, like he did the soundtrack for the recent Watchmen show on HBO, and he did the soundtrack for Ken Burns' Vietnam documentary series from a year or two ago. So I mean, he still does tour and his stuff as Nine Inch Nails. But I, while I appreciate that stuff, I never really got into it. But his his music for films and TV. I think it's just really, really top notch.
1: Yeah. That's really cool to see how he's grown as an artist. Cause I think he's found his true calling Uh oh, man. Watchman is so good. Give me chills. Just thinking about it.
2: Yeah. Watchman was great. Like, and he does these great interpretations of songs, you know, in this film, it's um, during the regatta scene when he does in the hall of the mountain King, that everyone is sort of at least familiar with the music, even if they don't know much about the song. And then, like, in um, in Watchmen, he did the famous David Bowie song "Life on Mars." So he always he has seems to have this knack for taking familiar tunes and sort of tweaking them a little, so you could obviously tell that he's, his his fingerprints are on them.
1: David Fincher told him he wanted a synthetic landscape like Blade Runner. I would say he succeeded.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, that didn't um, immediately leap out it for me, but when I was researching this pick. I came across that information too. And then when you think about it, it makes a heck of a lot of sense, but this, this music is just so good for where you guys are in Seattle. And I'm in Colorado, especially during the winter, you get a lot of those gray days when you're sort of bundled up and that's so much what ambience of the social network is. And so it's great music to just sort of have in the background great mood music.
0: Well, I feel so bad for you, Clark, that you get a couple cloudy days a year. (laughs) (laughs) And it
1: must be rough. How do you cope?
2: Colorado wins are pretty spoiled.
1: Um, And of course, it did win the Oscar that year.
2: It did. And um, it made it to number 20 on the Billboard charts. It was number seven on Pitchfork's list of the top film soundtracks of all time. So it's obviously pretty, pretty highly regarded.
1: Okay. Well, I think it's a great pick.
0: Top-notch movie, top-notch score.
1: One of the all-time robberies. Social Network should have won Best Picture that year, but that's a that's oh, for another pod. Certainly. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Alright, Eric, so tell me what you've got going next.
1: Well, for my next pick, I am also going to call in a musical artist who has converted into a composer as a side gig, but now maybe his primary profession. I am speaking of Johnny Greenwood and I will be drafting There Will Be Blood what are you looking so miserable about there's a whole ocean of oil under our feet no one can get at it except for me Uh, there Will Be Blood and Johnny Greenwood is better known as the guitarist for Radiohead. This was specifically his second score, but I think is most powerful. And since then, he has now had a very long and fruitful partnership with Paul Thomas Anderson, who is one of my favorite directors.
0: We have a friend uh, who is also a previous guest of the pod who really can't handle this score. <laughs> and in fact finds it very anxiety inducing and i can relate it is one of those scores that is supposed to make you feel tense and it's unnerving a little bit
1: (laughs) we're just having a game night and then it got put on as a record and it was just the volume was just like slowly turned up and it just it feels like a horror movie soundtrack you just get so like the screeching dissonance and it gets like under your skin and it um he was about to rage quit and just leave the apartment he could stand it (laughs)
0: It's effective.
1: Highly effective.
2: Yeah, exactly. And Radiohead's music, you know, Johnny Greenwood would sort of take that vibe and channel it into his other work.
1: It's that sense of dread. And while as much as I love big standout scores, there's something when I'm like watching thrillers or kind of really intense movies like There Will Be Blood, that the art of evoking a consistent mood throughout the entire movie it relies so much on the score. So I have a huge admiration for the way that they're able to do that and effortlessly kind of make this background music, uh, that is beautiful in its own right. In some moments, maybe not as all the time in there will be blood, uh, but can be such an important integral part of these movies.
2: Yes. And you'll, you'll note how often in these films we talk about partnerships with directors, whether it's Zimmer with Christopher Nolan or Howard Shore with Peter Jackson. Um, Fitchner with Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor. And then on this one, Johnny and and Paul Thomas Anderson. I think it just reflects how all these directors understand how crucial music is to to what they're trying to achieve. And so once you find someone who speaks that same language, you want to keep working with them.
1: Yeah, because ultimately movies are very collaborative and all these directors kind of hone in on their certain style and their brand. So it kind of makes sense that they would just naturally gravitate to have the same composers, even to the same degree that they frequently have the same actors as well.
0: It's also a factor that they probably have similar taste in that composers that are really into beautiful, more soulful or peaceful music are probably going to gravitate towards directors that are directing that kind of film. I think of scores like the Call Me By Your Name score, and they're just completely different animal than something like There Will Be Blood. It's just very different in terms of craftsmanship and tone and feel. And I can imagine that those types of people just find each other.
2: Absolutely. And I think uh, musicians to really do something different than they normally do. With Trent Redner, you think of Nine Inch Nails as very heavy um, electronic, even metal. And with his film work, he's had a chance to explore almost kind of a softer side, more introspective, um, not necessarily any less menacing, but um, a little more subtle about it.
0: All right, Clark, it's your turn. What's going to be your next pick?
2: All right. I think it's really fun that as we're getting down with, with the rule, we're sort of getting to a lot of composers that people may not know. Um, in that vein, my next pick will be Joe Hisiyashi and his soundtrack for Spirited Away. ¶¶
1: <laughs> we have not seen this movie
0: but we want to <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's one of the few uh, animated films that stopped pixar's best animated feature oscar run in when pixar was sort of at its height it's a 2001 film directed by hayo miyazaki who also did princess mononoke he's probably one of the best known animators obviously in japan but worldwide and um for my money, this is my favorite animated film of all time.
0: Oh, Wow. Well, we have to watch it now.
2: That's
1: pretty bold.
0: That's some pretty high price.
2: It is. And it, I mean, it's still or at the time it was owned by Disney. So you could still technically say it's a Disney animated film. But um, Studio Ghibli is where Miyazaki does most of his work. So it was sort of the film that brought his work to such a huge audience.
1: Well, we're going to have to watch this, the whole all of Studio Ghibli. I know it's a it's a hole in our repertoire that we need to answer and I guess maybe the next movie they come out with, we'll try and do a, do a whole series about it.
0: We are admittedly not very good fans of animation. We like animation, but I specifically am just not drawn to it over live action movies, so it's hard to check all those boxes. <laughs> drawn to it <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah that that well done sandra i like that
1: <laughs> she's here all day every day
2: <laughs> <laughs> so the thing about this head track um obviously studio ghibli being japanese it's has some of those more eastern musical elements that you don't often hear um over here in the west but it brings some lovely musical pastoral elements to it um sort of like i said being drawn to some of the sad songs it's it's really sort of a bittersweet film it's about growing up um, becoming your own person and it's it's really beautifully reflected in this music which is there's no sort of grand themes like we've had with some of these other people it's just it's just effortlessly lovely and i come back to it often when i need to relax or just sort of stop thinking about myself for a while it's it's really beautiful
1: okay well i think this is a good pick we'll we'll have to rectify our, our gap here
2: Definitely. Yeah, I I mean, a lot of people will give you recommendations. I think this is his best. So if you're only going to do one, this would be the one, in my opinion, that you should do.
1: Okay.
0: We can do that. We have a lot of time in our hands.
2: (laughs) All right. Eric, tell me what you have picked next. All
1: right. Well, moving right along to my fourth pick, I am going to go with a little bit of a deep cut here. I'm going to take from 2011, Cliff Martinez- did the soundtrack for Drive. This is one of my favorite little indie movies, and it is, again, just such a mood. And in this case, it's kind of 80s synth pop. It's a lot of ambient electronic music, and there's not a specific moment or uh, music that sticks with me like some of my other picks, but it's that just kind of evocative sense of a little bit of dread and just kind of coolness that goes throughout the course of the film.
2: Yeah, I think the coolness is a, a good call on your part. It, it was The soundtrack was everywhere when it came out. It, it really brought that sort of sound back to the mainstream after sort of fading away. People sort of thought those synth sounds were a little cheesy with the 80s type stuff, but this brought it back, I think, in, in a very serious kind of um, approach.
1: I think you can definitely take electronic music's just general uh, renaissance and evolution in the past decade as uh, to thank for that because you can see the same kind of uh, trends happening with Blade Runner being remade, you have Tron, uh, you have the social network, like we already talked about. A lot of films that are using these synth beats as just a general
2: good atmospheric tool.
0: Synth beat would be a great band name.
2: (laughs) And I think a lot of that has to do with the uh, sort of technological sound of the music and as we keep you know getting further into the future and especially you mentioned just like like it's a perfect fit for those types of films you get something that sounds like it was made on a machine which obviously said sorry so you sort of get that reflected in the music that's going with the film
1: and what i specifically liked about it for drive because even though it is set as a contemporary movie it does have this kind of throwback element to it. Like, he, it's just pure. Like, he just likes old-school cars. He just likes driving. There's no special tech about it. So, it really fits to have music that is throwback to an earlier generation and a simpler time that also kind of evolves upon the action movie genre uh, from the 80s to something a little bit more sophisticated, in a way.
2: And it's such visceral music, which fits with the movie, which can be pretty tough to watch in certain scenes. There's the elevator scene that just sort of hits like a ton of bricks when you're not really expecting it to be that viscerally violent as it is.
1: Oh, definitely. It's not the easiest movie to watch, but I think that would be a really awesome costume to get that jacket and just have a driving glove, put on some cool glasses, pretend you're driving around in the night air in L.A
2: you got to figure that was happening when that movie first came out. I'm sure that must have been everywhere.
0: But it's not happening now, so you could do it and yeah. be really cool.
2: <laughs>
1: Super cool.
2: <laughs> Vintage look from a movie a couple of years ago. I, th- I think that would definitely work.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, now, what will be your fourth pick?
2: For my fourth pick, I selected Duke Ellington's soundtrack to Anatomy of a Murder from
1: 1959. Oh, hi, Polly. Fellas, this is Manny's lawyer.
2: Hi, how are you?
0: Sit down, won't you? I'm sorry, I can't right now. Mrs. Mannion, may I talk to you for a moment outside?
1: Mrs. Mannion, I thought we dropped the formalities a long time ago.
2: I think maybe we'd better pick them up again. This is important. All right,
1: I'll go lady. All
0: right,
2: come on. Hey, you're coming back, aren't you?
0: Sure, what do you think?
1: Ooh. Now you're really showing us up. <laughs> we tell are
0: us about we, that.
1: We are definitely contemporary biased. So tell us about this movie.
2: It's a auto premier film. Uh, Jimmy Stewart sort of plays this drunk um, lawyer who gets assigned to this murder case, and it's one of my favorite Jimmy Stewart roles it's all black and white and the music is um Duke Ellington who's a jazz great and this was the first score by entirely composed by an African American
1: that sounds pretty cool have not seen it as you can probably tell
2: <laughs> it's it's not Jimmy Stewart's most well-known role obviously but Ellington made a big deal sort of at the time of not doing orchestral like everyone did, he he was a jazz musician, so he wanted to make sure that the score, this was actual jazz music. So you get um, some of great session musicians from his time playing Ellington makes a cameo in the movie at this bar Jimmy Stewart goes to as the pianist. And it's works on its own, which I think a lot of these films, I was going to ask actually about if you think you have to know a film to enjoy this, the score for it.
1: Oh, definitely not. And that's what's great about how how they can stand alone as well.
2: I think it helps, though.
1: Sure, it gives you emo- a more of an emotional attachment, but yeah. they are independent works of art as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think even if you don't know the film, there's a lot of great music that Ellington does if you're a jazz fan, if you're interested in that kind of stuff. You don't need to know the film to find what he's doing. Really sort of interesting, and there's a lot of darkness in it, and it's sort of the perfect fit for this sort of really sort of subtly dark and scandalous film that um, Ellington did.
1: Okay, well, good pick. Man, you're just loading us up on movies we got to check out.
2: (laughs) All right, so we're down to the last. So Eric, what will be your last pick?
1: Well, before I get into my final pick, as per tradition, have to name a few honorable mentions. I thought one man was going to win an Academy Award this year because he has been nominated so many times and has had such a great body of work. And that is Thomas Newman, cousin of Randy Newman. And if I had to pick one score that he's done, it would be the Shawshank Redemption.
0: Really? Not Toy Story?
1: That's Randy Newman.
0: Oh, that's the problem. <laughs> they have a marketing problem.
2: <laughs> Too many Newmans.
1: It should um, just
0: be scores by the Newman cousins and they would just win everything.
1: That's right. Also, The Godfather great dreadful score with a a good theme as well
0: so thomas newman he's the composer who did the marriage story no that's no that was randy okay
1: thomas did 1917
0: (laughs) it's fine
1: (laughs) you're showing your bias
2: it gets even more confusing because thomas newman the scores for Wally and Finding Nemo, which were some of my favorites from Pixar. Right.
0: You know what? I'm just going to say that my honorable mention is either Newman. <laughs>
2: so I love think that, that, that,
1: that marriage covers story everything. Score. Yes. <laughs> covers all the Pixar. <laughs> uh, and I also, um, it's funny that you say that because my other honorable mention is Toy Story. The reason I pick it as an honorable mention is is because even though I know Randy Newman has had all these awards, he's been nominated 22 times across score and song. But when I think of Toy Story, I really just think of the song as I did in our previous draft already. And that nothing is really sticking out for me with the music. Um,
0: oh, you that's, are wrong. It's my own fault. Yes.
1: It's, it's been too long.
0: Think about when Bus Lightyear first appears. Can't you just hear it?
1: <laughs> yes, I can. Okay. okay. Counterpoint made. Uh, but I'm going to go for something just a little bit different and a little bit more personal for me. Um, I think I've previously spoken about this movie, uh, but it's actually a documentary called Koyaanis from 1982. This was Philip Glass's first score. And kind of, you're giving me the strangest <laughs> look right now.
0: I, have you watched this documentary? Yes,
1: I watched it in my documentary film class in college. Thank you. Well,
2: <laughs> put a fork in me. <laughs> Come on, Sandra, get with it.
1: It's a very unique documentary because it's kind of more of a visual poem and It is almost entirely a combination of time-lapse and slow-mo photography of the environment and cities. And all of the heavy lifting is being done by Philip Glass's score, which when you hear that little clip that we're playing right now, you'll instantly recognize it because it's kind of been pervasive throughout um, film. It's just one of those things that you know without really knowing where it's from. And I think it was just uh, an incredible feat like dun 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 (laughs) where's that that from (laughs) beethoven (laughs) right oh there you go Oh, (laughs) 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 you're just getting uh getting work i'm
0: just getting an education here (laughs) in my living room
2: i'm getting an education because i've never even heard of this film so now i've got one to check out
1: i might just just look it up on youtube we might have to put well look it up on our instagram handle as well to get the spelling because it is a weird word i think it comes from the hopi language something like that like i said this is a very niche pick i understand that but as a score it is fantastic
2: okay Wait. you're talking <laughs> you to the write... right guy about niche picks so that is that is fantastic good <laughs> philip glass is great so i'm really going to have to look into that
0: you can direct your complaints to eric dugan here at first round flick you can reach <laughs> us at our email address at first round click at gmail.com or reach out to us for or, your instagram or
1: <laughs> or maybe the people will side with me
2: maybe <laughs> he uh, makes a pretty strong case
1: all right well let's quickly get away with this before sandra makes fun of me anymore clark what is going to be your final pick and any honorable mentions
2: Um, Well, like you said, there's just so many classics from John Williams that you could do honorable mentions from almost anything. And then with scores, it's interesting because maybe you don't like a whole score, but there's certain themes that just like stick in your head. For instance, um, Pirates of the Caribbean has a great theme, which I think was produced or written by Hans Zimmer, so he has his fingers on that as well. Um, Of course, you have the classic Psycho score, which I can't imagine listening to for. Any kind of enjoyment, but it's such an iconic piece of music. All
1: valid.
0: I can't imagine listening to There Will Be Blood for enjoyment either, but here we are.
1: <laughs> it's for a specific moment in time. Maybe when we are playing that board game where you're in a haunted house, then it feels appropriate. But also Blade Runner twenty forty nine, that's a soundtrack that we have. That's a that's a little difficult to just uh put on and listen to.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And um the V for Vendetta soundtrack that actually has some pretty solid themes. Um Sort of running through with that, it may not be the whole album is not as great, but there's some some themes that really hit, especially if you if you catch it at the right moment.
1: I'll be for Vendetta, throwback close to my heart. I've almost completely forgotten about the movie, but I'll have to rewatch that come next November.
0: You've drafted it before,
1: yeah. All right. Well, what will be your final pick?
2: My final pick will be the soundtrack from Wendy Carlos and Rachel Elkind to Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. I think we should discuss what should be done with him. What should be done with him.
0: I don't know.
1: I don't think that's true. I think you have some
2: very definite ideas about what should be done with Danny. And I'd like to know what they are.
0: Very excellent choice.
2: This is another one that I can't really imagine listening to outside of specific context, but it's so eerie. It's almost it's so heavily vocal, and those vocal trills that are just sort of spread throughout, repeated over and over, it just it gets it gets the hair on your arms standing up right away. And it's another one that is very synth heavy, and it's just it's not might not be as iconic recognizably as like the psycho but in terms of horror film scores i think this one is really outstanding
1: all around a fantastic movie that it's very fitting and in general i'm glad that we finally got a somewhat traditional horror movie on the draft because score is so immensely important to that genre
0: i loved the score for the movie us jordan peele's most recent horror movie it was so captivating and so unique for a horror movie but Still a horror movie score. I thought it was so well done.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you get the orchestral version of I've Got Five on it that they Ugh. like used in the trailer and everything. So you get that sort of modern context on that. So, yeah, I totally agree. That was a great score.
0: I live for a good cover.
2: <laughs> I absolutely agree with you. I know you guys are big uh, "Stars Born fans and Lady Gaga's version of Lovey and Rose, oh. Rose is just amazing.
0: Don't get me started. <laughs> is that a score? Is that is the, that is that not one of your favorite scores, Eric?
2: It's a soundtrack. Okay. It's a close line though, because yeah, it's almost all those two people. So you could almost make a case for that being a score.
0: <sighs> this is why I'm not <laughs>
1: paid for this draft. The eternal debate. So what? Mm-hmm. Sound editing versus sound mixing. Score versus song soundtrack gets yes, complicated.
2: Exactly. Gets complicated. And yes, so the score to The Shining was done by, like I said, Wendy Carlos and Rachel Elkind. I guess Kubrick was sort of notoriously difficult to work with. And this was the last time that Carlos worked with him just because, I guess, the score and the way they worked together didn't really pan out. So you didn't get to hear a lot of the music she wrote for it. But, I mean, it's one of the first things you hear in this film to go with these images. And there's this booming, like, horn lines, just all the low notes to go with these high trilling voices and it's just this incredible dichotomy that unsettles you right away.
1: It's one of those highly effective scores because you don't even notice it as much, but it gives you that feeling.
2: Yeah, and so many um, horror film scores, you know, use the high violins, and they really sort of try to ratchet up the tension that way, obviously in um, sort of in honor of Psycho, but this one sort of goes a little different approach. It's not so emotionally manipulative, I'd say, as some of the um, a lot of horror film scores so it, it does it, its own thing and it does it it's so effective in what it does
1: well, i think this is a a great way to end the draft i think we've got a pretty good list here
0: very solid
1: i really just want to go listen to interstellar again <laughs>
2: <laughs> i think i will probably have to um do that as well it's been a long time i'm a big inception fan as far as the score goes so i have to give Instellar another look
1: well thank you for being on clark
0: we really appreciate it's it. Been a
2: pleasure to have you. Thank you, guys. I've listened to all the episodes, so it's it's been a real treat for me to contribute.
0: And if our listeners want to hear more from you, Clark, where can they find you?
2: Um, I'm on Twitter at. You could just search for Clark Reader. I'll be under there. We have a music website. Me and a friend of mine run where we just sort of write about music and culture that inspires us, and then as a cultural columnist for colorado community media newspapers i have a weekly column where i write about local theater and con- have a recommended concert of the week so that's all on um, sort of twitter awesome
1: you can also head over to our twitter or instagram at first round flick let us know what your favorite scores are you can also email us directly first round flick at gmail.com
0: and if you have a few minutes and you want to help Please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will really help others find us.
1: And thank you to Grant Bennett, as always, for providing the score to this podcast. We will see you next time.
0: Bye.
2: Bye.